Hello and welcome back to the Powder Blue Podcast. We just did one on Thursday, but the Phillies have signed Ronald Torres. Oh, and a couple other guys. <laughs> right, Frank Close here with Jeff Mosher. Jeff, when yes. we talked on Thursday, we thought the Phillies were done. It is amazing. Uh, they, are, they were not done. They were, the best was yet to come, Frank. Who would have thought that? Yes, and of course, news breaks late on Friday. In fact, a lot of the Phillies players had gone to bed that despite agreeing to terms with Kyle Schwarber, the Phillies add Nick Castellanos. So <laughs> there, there's a lot to take in here, uh, Jeff, because, you know, Thursday we're trying to think like, oh, man, this this lineup, well, where do you put everybody? No, you can't have Schwarber leading off. Oh, man, right. Really wish they had a right-handed bat. Well, they've got a right-handed bat, and I guess Schwarber's free to bat leadoff. I guess so. And there's a deep, deep drive to left by Castellan. <laughs> how, <laughs> no, how long it, till that joke gets old in Philadelphia, um, you think? I, I may never get old because of how it originated, but um, yeah, it'll probably be overused quite a bit around here. But uh, it is pretty funny. Uh, but to your point, it is pretty amazing because I just... And, and and by the way, we said, like, I don't know if Schwarber's best as your leadoff guy unless dot, dot, dot. And now we've got the dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I still don't love the idea of Carlos Schwarber as a leadoff hitter, but I like it a whole lot more now. And I do. I think we have to remember those of us who are so nationally league oriented that leadoff now is going to be different because your lineup is going to be different without the pitcher hitting. And, and I'm sure there will be some pretty good opportunities for Schwarber to drive in runs. It's not like he has a pitcher hitting in front of him all the time. Who's an easy out. So um, I don't know that it's a, it's, it's not a waste. You're getting him up quickly. He's good on base percentage guy. And now you've got a meat of your lineup here with, uh, you know, with Harper and Castellanos and Hoskins coming back, by the way, is it Castellanos or Llanos? I've heard it two different ways. <laughs> you know what? I, I think my natural double L goes to, yeah, but I think, yeah, he me says, too. I think he says the L's. <laughs> All right. So he says Castellanos. All right. I'm going to get, it's like, you have to deprogram yourself to say it that way. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, there's a lot of punch to this lineup, Frank. It's there. There's it's going to be a difficult lineup. It doesn't. The problem with the signing is as exciting as it is, it doesn't really solve the three other major issues that we spoke about. As far as you know, are they going to be a better defensive team? Can they get anybody out in the bullpen? Do they have enough rotation depth? But um, look, I think it's going to be exciting until it's proven not to be exciting. You know, until you start losing games ten eight, ten eight, ten eight because you you kick the ball around or you're or your bullpen didn't get anybody out. Well, could they win these games like 12, <laughs> nine? Uh, they certainly could. They, have, they This is sort of like a Yankees kind of lineup. Um, and you know, the, and I'm more, I mean like more recent Yankees who have struggled to themselves produce their own in-house starting pitching. And even the guys that they've gone out and gotten um, have sometimes been inconsistent. You know, I know Garrett Cole had a good year last year, but I know he, he stunk it up a little bit after the, uh, the spider tech stuff came out and then he wasn't great in the playoffs, but, um, but they can win games that way. They can just bully you offensively. And it does feel like the Phillies will be able to do that quite a bit. It's going to be a tough lineup for pitchers. A lot of, not just because they can hit the ball, Frank, but because they can work pitchers. So let's break this down. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that the nine hole, which as you said, is no longer occupied by a pitcher. I'm going to assume that that is the Matt Verling slash Odubel Herrera spot, right? I think that would be sure safe, so. to, safe to assume. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where else you'd put those guys. So then batting eighth, then, 
mm-hmm. I guess Alec Bohm can comfortably work his way back. Yeah, I would think, right? I mean, given what they've got, uh, which is crazy because wasn't Bohm, didn't he start the year last year as your fifth or sixth guy? He, I no, mean, that's, that, that's, <laughs> you know, that's the thing I like best about having these two bats is Alec Bohm. Last year, I think part of the problem was they, they were desperate for him to be offense. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, especially when Hoskins was hurt, he ends up in the minor leagues. Right. You, you, JT Real Muto, it was not sustainable to play your catcher so much, but you were so desperate to play uh, Real Muto every single day. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can bat Bohm eighth, not worry about him. Let him find right. his swing when he finds his swing, almost. Yep. And then even Real Muto, right? Is, is he your seven-hole hitter in this lineup? I mean, <laughs> he's batting six or seven, right? I mean, this yeah, is... either that or two, depending on what you're doing with Segura, right? I'd rather have Segura higher in the lineup because he you know run the base as well, um, and you know gives you a little bit of speed as opposed to having you know, I guess Schwarber, JT, and then whoever after where you do you know you're not you know you have to get like three singles in a row to actually plate somebody. So, so I'd rather have Segura up there. So if he's up there though, then someone really good is down there. Yeah, and I'm 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 kind of okay with JT in the seventh. I think that you know he's we always talk about him. He's a really good offensive catcher, but in the context of offensive players in baseball, it's not like he's a premier offensive player. So you can have him batting seventh in this lineup and not feel like you know you're you're demoting him. I mean, you just have a lot of really good hitters and high on base guys in front of him. So let's try to break this down then. So how do how do we do it? Are we are well? Actually, are we, would you put Didi? Well, it depends on how you want to go lefty righty. I mean, you can make a strong argument for Didi being seven and JT maybe you know ahead of that at six, depending on how you want to righty lefty it from one through three, one through six. Right. So how do we do this? Let's 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 start to break this down. So then, All if right. you have if you have Schwarber leading off, he's your right. lefty. Then mm-hmm. Segura second. Yep. Then you would probably go back to lefty with Harper. I, right. I read some people. I, I apologize. I forget who it was saying that Harper is so much better at three than two. And the numbers have showed that. Really? So, hmm. yeah. Okay. So if you, if you go Schwarber, Segura, Harper behind mm-hmm. him, I guess, I guess, is that your new guy? Castellanos as your, as your righty behind Harper. Yeah. And then you I, go. Uh you know what? I think you can't go wrong either. I think Hoskins, Castellanos, Castellanos, Hoskins, it doesn't really matter. Right. Don't, wouldn't you agree? I mean, they're, you know, they're both really good, good, good. They're guys who are going to get the ball out of the park. I, I don't know. I would assume that Hoskins throughout his career has probably walked a little more and has a better on base percentage. So you could probably make a pretty good argument for having him. At, behind Castellanos, right? You want Castellanos swinging the bat, protecting, uh, protecting or, or you know, trying to, yeah, protecting Harper. And then, you know, you've got Hoskins to kind of reset the middle of the lineup there and either in, and get on base in a high percentage way. I, I think I like, I think I like Castellanos, at least for now, behind Harper, just because he's the new guy that pitchers, I think, will worry more about. <laughs> I agree. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just wonder how many times now people will, will see Harper stroll up and they immediately uh, signal the ball for, you know, for the <laughs> intentional walk. Right. Um, especially next year when there's no shift. I think that, you know, Harper sometimes is hit into those shifts. I think next year that <laughs> it'll be that right. much more lethal. Uh, but, but, but yeah, it's, it, it seems like the, the protection is what this was all about. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you got two of them, uh, then you got some, you got some options here. But another, another reason why I might want to, see Hoskins uh, a little further back 
maybe late in the game you want to replace some of this defense uh, mm-hmm. if you have the opportunity. And you know, I guess it depends where you are in the lineup because if, if you're down towards the bottom of the order, and maybe you, maybe you don't mind uh, sending whoever. We'll have to figure out who's on this bench, by the way, because uh, there's only four slots and there's lots of options now with these two uh, these two new bats kind of push some guys. But um, whoever you're Whoever your defensive-minded outfielder is, uh, you might want you might want that person in left and sure. Johan Camargo to fill one of these infield positions. Right, right. So we're going to agree on Castellanos, then Harp, uh, then then Hoskins, right? And then after that, I guess naturally it would be Real Muto. I mean, that's three righties in a row. But well, do, would you want to? Uh, would you potentially want Didi in there? I guess it depends on how he is, how he's feeling, how he's hitting. Um, that's kind of the wild card here, right? You know, we, we assume it's Didi at the moment, but um, Bryson Stott, you know, remains a possibility. Although, honestly, at yeah, at these two bats, you could say, "Hey, kid, take your time getting ready," because mm-hmm. we'll be all right. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's operate under the assumption for now that Didi is going to come north uh, with the club. And by the way, we should probably have that conversation because. I, I do wonder if there's a corresponding move coming because they are over the luxury tax right right now, right? They are. Yep, they are. Surprise so, everybody and agreed to do that. Right. And, and we don't know if that's going to stay that way. So we'll see. Um, but for now, I would put Didi in front of, of JT. So I would have it Harper, Castellanos, Hoskins, Didi, then JT. I don't think there's a taker for Didi. We I mean, were through the subject. I, I just don't right. think there is. I mean, having the injuries last year, having the um, the resulting poor on base percentage and average and poor defense. <laughs> like if he's healthy and supposedly he had a surgery to remove some of those crystals in his elbow, but if he's got his motion back, I mean, there's a chance you get something for your money. I feel like that's that's yes. more important to see than just trying to unload him somehow. Yeah, although we have had the discussion about how do you replenish the farm system. At some point, you're going to have to trade some guys, right, and uh, try to try to get some talent in return. So if Bryson Stott winds up being a really good player this year, that gives you that kind of flexibility to do so if needed. But, of course, Didi actually would have to play well, right? To, right, because right now you'd be looking for someone to unload him to as opposed to someone – giving you value value for them, right there. Yeah. Two different conversations. So and you might not, you might not have both. So, right. So I think it goes North and I think that gives Brayson Stott some extra time. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are excited about Brayson Stott, but if, if you've got all these bashers in your lineup, you know, there's a, the sense of urgency is lessened. Yeah, I would, I would say that I agree. So would you have him batting in front of JT or behind? It's a good question. Maybe I tend to leave JT in front, but I mean, right. Cause right now, I guess it depends on the left, right stuff. You know, it depends on who you're facing. Um, right. I, you know, I, I don't know if you've got three righties in a row like that. Does it totally, I mean, if it's those guys, does it totally matter? I get what you're saying. Does it totally bother you? Um, we'll see. I mean, they could, you could, you could see them go back and forth depending on who the starting pitcher is and kind of see right. where it takes you. And, and you know what the one thing you're losing with this new alignment is, the expectation was, hey, these guys are going to cycle through the DH. Well, guess what? <laughs> now I don't know that JT's playing on his days off. Yeah, that's true. That is true. 
So then, um, you'll you'll take it though <laughs> for, for the for what you're getting in return. You'll be right. happy with so, that. So I mean that's 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 an improvement over okay, yeah. well today's Reese's day, so we'll put JT at first and then Marshawn will catch or you know, well, we, you know, we'll, we'll put Bowman there and Camargo at there. A lot of these moves we were talking about just don't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So no, you're right. This this lineup is the starting nine is going to be pretty set then. Uh, you know, again, unless they unless they are going to mix in some of these these bench players. So I, I let, let's quickly talk about that because uh, right now that that bench uh, makeup is going to be very very different now because you now have one of those slots as a designated hitter. So you, you would have five spots normally. Mm-hmm. One of them is always the backup catcher. Mm-hmm. One of them is the DH now. So you really have three spots. One right. of them is going to be Camargo because you've signed him to a major league deal. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's pretty set. So so with with Marshawn, DH and Camargo, you don't have a lot of spots left. One of them no. is also going to be the other side of your your center field platoon. So right. you're, you're knocking out. Four of those spots, there's one spot left. Yeah, that's why they, you mentioned this last pod. It's really kind of important now to have guys who are really versatile. Those Brad Miller types who can play all over the place. Um, so I'm not sure that the Phillies have that guy right now. So, so here's the thing. I'm going to run through some names here. These are your mm-hmm. options for that last spot on the roster. I mean, provided nobody's hurt, or they, I think they're going to add spots for pitchers, but not 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 position players, but. Adam Hastley, Mickey Moniak, right? Yikes. And that's yeah. before you get to Luke Williams, Nick Maton. Who's going to make this team? Uh, Ronald Torres just signed as a minor league uh, invitee. So that's, that's our guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> I like Torres. Is that why they brought him back? Because they might need somebody they can throw in center field now and then or throw it a shortstop. It's possible. It's possible. I'm looking at the the options. I mean, oh, I forgot Scott Kingery. They are paying him four million bucks. If he looks good, he could come north, right? So yeah, I mean, it gives him optionality. Uh, certainly. I mean, so, I would. Who do you think would be the lead horse right now? Do you think it would be Torres? Nick Mayton? Can Mayton play in the outfield at all? Uh they haven't tried I yet. He, I thought he played a little outfield last year. I couldn't last remember. Last year we were talking about playing him in the outfield because he was hitting so well, but right. But he's never actually done it. No, he's not. So, so, but, but, I mean, I would think you, you know, Camargo, I don't, you don't see him so much as the middle infielder type. So you probably need someone who can play second and short, mm-hmm. which would describe not Moniak or, or Hazley, which right. doesn't bode well for them. That does not bode well for them. And uh, Camargo, um, nice player. I, I, you know, I don't know that he's, much of a shortstop or a second baseman. I mean, I, I know they could they could use him there. Yeah, I mean he's he, he's primarily been a third baseman in his career, but he he has played a little short second. Wouldn't but you? I want, don't know. If, uh, do you want to make him your only guy? No. Wouldn't you want to focus on having a really like a, as best as you can defensive player for substitutions anyway late in the game? Like it would be great to have Freddie Galvis right now. You know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, Freddie Galvis. What's that? I said the old Freddie Galvis. I yes, think he, yeah, had much, I he didn't yeah. have much to bring last year other than his no. spirit. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. You're right. It would. It would. But that's the type of player that would be really good to have. Yeah, and you know what? If if you get over Scott Kingery starting every day, 
maybe he finds something to be that. I don't, I don't... You know, that's that's actually not a te- now that if we can get our minds programmed into thinking that Scott Kingery really is a just a bench player, forget the history, forget the contract, whatever. But you're looking for someone who can get in there, you know, play a couple positions, be a defensive sub. I, I think you could handle that. The only thing is, like, is he just so still completely lost that is he going to strike out every single time? Because there there were times, and we saw this with Torres last year, where injuries forced these guys into, you know, having to play three, four, five, or six games, sometimes more uh, in a row. And, and you can't have him doing that if he's completely useless as a hitter. And you know what, though? Here's the, here's the, here's the bonus, though. You know, we, we, we think of the times when Scott Kingery comes up in the ninth inning as a pinch hitter against the closer, just like why everybody got, got annoyed with Andrew Knapp because he was always right. batting in the ninth inning against the closer and, and not coming through. These bench guys are not going to be pinch hitting for the pitcher three times a game. You know, last year and, well, forever, except right. for 2020, you know, when the pitcher came out, you were going to burn through a bunch of pinch hitters. Yep. You don't need to do that anymore. You know, so basically sure. your bench is going to be there to to be the guy that, um, I don't know, maybe you want Camargo with third when there's Zach Eflin on the mound and he throws a lot of ground balls to, to the left side. That That's what your bench is going to be for. Yeah, um, you know what? That, you, that's a good point. It's a good point. It's hard to for, it, to, ha- to program yourself to think about the lack of strategy now is <laughs> tough. So, uh, yeah, I think I, you could, again, I'd, I'd just be more concerned about what happens if there's injuries and you have to play someone who's, uh, you know, it's okay. Obviously, when you go to the bench, you know you're playing a lesser player. But when they played Ronald Torres last year, they were able to catch a little lightning in the bottle, you know, until he finally played so Too much, much <laughs> unfortunately, that he came back to being Ronald Torres, which is fine. That's what those guys are going to do and supposed to do. But if it had to be a Scott Kingery, for example, and he's just striking out every every other at-bat, that's, that's going to be rough. So what do you think of Luke Williams? He can he can play up the middle. He could. Um, I think you know this is one of those. Does he have a really good spring? And because you give him the opportunity to sit here, have a good spring, and and maybe bring him north. So 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 really, there's a little bit of a log jam, and and, and I can't based on what we're talking about. It looks doesn't look good for either Adam Hastley or Mickey Moniak. No, the only I mean, if they have one of those two has a really really good spring, can they force the hand on to doable? That that's a big question because you know it, it's it's funny you bring him up because people were upset when they signed him and I think they're less upset knowing they've got these other two bats. But you know what, Oduble doesn't make a lot of money. Um, he's only making one point seven. I say only. I mean that's mm. they essentially yeah, no, have to meet. I, it, that's about as cheap as you can get somebody in the majors. Yeah, I mean Adam Hastley, uh, Mickey, you know, back to back first round picks. Yeah, you know, this just. They're just, but they're just kind of the symbol of what a failure the McPhail Clintac era was because back to back drafts when they're at their lowest of their low in terms of their performance, mm-hmm. those are what your top first round picks net you. And yes. you know what? If they if they didn't have so many injuries, I, I think Casey might have made the team, but Mimoniak arguably didn't deserve the chances he's gotten based on his performance. Right. And uh, he's, I, I think we're we're getting close to them cutting one or both of them. No, well, I think it's probably getting to be that time. I mean, I think you know, uh, w- you and I thought Kingery might even be gone 
by this time last year because then they take him off the 40 man right he is off the 40 man he's so off the 40 you, you would man. have to add him back but uh but you're paying him a lot of money for a couple of years now so right that's why you might see uh you might see Kingery still around, but but it'd be it'd be interesting to see what they do. Now the nice thing about Maton, Luke Williams, if you stash him at AAA, they can come up and down if somebody has a quick DL stint, you know, like which inevitably happens, right? Sure. I mean, last year Gene Segura, you know, tweaked something at one point, and you're without him for a couple of weeks. That's when Maton got to play, right? So, uh, or you know, maybe that's Stotts' opportunity. So, um, yeah, you know, that's a good point too. I mean, you, know, you want to stop playing every day, ideally. Right. But if you have to, so yeah. I mean, if you have to call them up, though. From so you could conceivably a, say, okay, deep breath. If something gets injured up the middle, Camargo can spell somebody for a day, and right. then then you go with Stott if there's a DL stint. So, so they. So in something. that regard, when you say, just give me the the best glove I got for that last spot, and if I have a long term injury that requires someone to be more than just a glove off the bench, then I'll go to triple a for that. So maybe you're describing Scott Kingery. I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm talking myself into it. <laughs> <laughs> He's there. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to talk myself into either one of Moniac or Hazley having an awesome, uh, you know, next few weeks here and pushing Oduble off the roster, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I really like Hazley. I, I just, I, I, I have higher hopes for him than Moniac personally, but oh, uh, definitely. Definitely. I hope he gets it together this year, you know, because yeah. uh, I thought his swing, he reminded me of like a poor man's, but not Christian Yellick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yes, I just thought his left handed swing was was sweet looking, mm-hmm. you know, when, 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 of course, it was working. But, right. but by the way, Kevin Long, you know, that's that's why he's here. I mean, you know, Kevin Long is known to fix people. Yeah, among them, a, Kyle Schwarber, right? So he's got a long um, list of people that he's got. He's got to fix. If we're talking about Kingery and Hazley and Moniac and making Boehm. sure Schwarber is uh, and Boom, oh yeah, yeah, he's he's he might be the most important person in the bench today uh, this year. Yeah, Kev, but uh, Kevin Kevin Long, which you know when they when they uh, made the change last year, and and I was reading uh, Kevin Long might be available because uh, uh, he he was not renewed. I mean, he was. He was offered a contract by the Nationals. He actually decided to leave the Nationals mm-hmm. to come to the Phillies. So it works well with Joe Girardi. So hopefully you'll see something uh, come of come of some of these bats this year that they couldn't figure it out. The the veteran hitting coach uh, Kevin Long maybe will maybe maybe could help Scott Kingery. Maybe could help uh, a yeah. lot of these guys. So sort so of the, feels so- like when uh, the um, when the Phillies lost. Uh, uh, the pitching coach to the Braves. Uh, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Kravitz. Uh, yeah, Rick Kravitz. Yeah. yeah. And everybody knew that that was a disaster that not only did you lose him, but he went to the Braves. Right yeah. now, it feels like you, you did the same thing to the Nationals. You took a good hitting coach who's succeeded with players you already have on your roster and you, you took him away from the Nationals. So, yeah, double, double, double win. Although I take that not- one, Soto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Nationals adding. Nelson Cruz to hit behind yeah. Soto. That's that was their one move, but I don't think the Nationals have enough this year. But they could do some damage just those two guys alone back to back. So <laughs> talk about attention loss. Is fifty five now? And... Is, has has he got his uh, AARP card yet? <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's older awesome than now. I. I know that. So yeah. uh, and I'm too old to play baseball. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, think uh, about that. <laughs> He's playing baseball. He's older than us. 
Well, before we switch to the pitching, so just just if if, if I, I think I should clarify something you mentioned earlier about the the joke, the deep drive to left by Castellanos. I'm not yes. going to say what it was, of course, but uh, but broadcaster Tom Brenneman uh, mm-hmm. apologizing for something horrific he said. Yes, uh, he ends up uh, giving this apology, and flat in the middle of the apology, he just goes into. And there's a deep drive to left Castellanos for a home run. Right. It's it just it's just the most misplaced thing for apologizing for something horrific. And that's where that meme comes from. So that's right. But it might I, just, didn't it happen three like two or three other times during the season where somebody was saying where where a Castellanos home run interrupted a broadcaster who was it wasn't just that. That's the most famous moment or infamous moment for for Tom Brenneman, but I think there were two or three other occasions where the exact same thing happened, you know, because baseball is such a long storytelling sport. And um, there were a couple of other times where broadcasters were trying to tell a story or relay something that might have been on a more serious tone. Right. And then, bam, it's he hits a home run in the middle of it and it and just becomes awkward. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, so here. I'll read. I'll just read through this apology really fast. And this is like the most monotone thing ever. Um, you, you can watch this without knowing what he said initially, but he says, I made a comment earlier tonight and I guess that went out over the air and I'm deeply ashamed of if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart. I am so, so, so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith as here's a drive into deep left by Castellanos. It will be a home run. And so that'll make it a four, nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting this headset on again. Like, so, Back to his apologies. So, but uh, but yeah, it's like one of those things that when it first happened, you watch, you can't stop watching it. It's just over and over and over because it's like, did that really just happen? <laughs> and ultimately, he does not wear the headset for the Reds anymore. But uh, yeah, um, but there, there, there he goes. Uh, so, so anyway, that's that's that that's the story behind that. If you haven't seen that before, all right. So, uh, we got to talk pitching before we go because. Uh, mm-hmm. Some good news yesterday. You know, I was saying last, uh, just just last week that what are the Phillies going to do? Suarez is delayed. Uh, Wheeler had the little shoulder thing, and then he had the flu. And um, Zach Eflin knee surgery. When's he going to be ready? Well, it's it's looking pretty good on all three fronts, Jeff. Uh, so it sounds like so. The first update. Let's start with Ranger Suarez. He found some place he could play baseball near the hotel in, by the airport in Columbia. Um, Phillies had some connections and hooked him up with a place to play. So he was throwing. So mm-hmm. right now, Ranger Suarez believes he could be ready for the start of the season, which, by the way, isn't that far away. I know. It's crazy. I keep talking about, well, if this guy has a good spring. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like nine yeah. more days? <laughs> good week. Um, right. <laughs> but Zach Wheeler. Sunday throws 35 pitches in the bullpen in the morning and it seems to go well. You know, he says, I'm a little bit behind. I was a little bit behind, but we're on a good path now. And he says he believes he'll be on course to pitch the first week of the season. Now, he didn't say opening day roster, but maybe he could take his start towards the, the end of that. So good news. Yes. Yes, good news. Good news. Although I will always, always, always have a back in my mind concern when a pitcher was 
dealing with some kind of shoulder soreness, you know, even if it starts to feel better. Because he's really, right now, he's not unleashing. He's obviously not stretched out. So, um, you know, it's just always going to be in the back of your mind. Plus, he's had some injuries in the past. So, yeah, I mean, uh, granted, I think they were elbow and not shoulder. But nonetheless, it's all connected. It's all the arm. And Zach Eflin, he's ahead of schedule. He says he expects to be ready by opening day. He could have been out as much as till May, depending on how. Now, I don't know if there's extra... They got an extra week, you know, with the with the lockout. So maybe mm-hmm. that just happened to work out, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that that he'll be able to do it. But I mean, those were three major, major, major question marks. Yeah, they were. And, uh, you know, I, I, your, your fingers are crossed. So I hope everything goes according to Hoyle as it's supposed to with them. But I, I will have it in the back of my mind. Like, I hope because more so because of the truncated kind of spring and you don't want guys rushing to get in shape right to be able to be ready and sometimes guys aren't always honest with themselves about that kind of thing so i just it's a tough situation it's not a, a normal spring training but i hope everybody kind of treats the first month like it is and and is you know not overdoing it so that gives you bailey falter in the bullpen if it all works out so i mean mm-hmm. that that's the Phillies are much better with Bailey Falter in the bullpen than yes. than starting. So, Agreed. so got to cross your fingers on that. But but that's that's pretty pretty good news, relatively speaking. Oh, by the way, all over the place, people are having injuries. You know, so um, this is this is not what was no, that, that was the point I was yeah trying to make is that you're yeah. I'm just you know hope everything settles out. And really, like you know, a, a lot of people have. Taken, uh, taken precautions, and a lot of the people while locked out, they found ways to play. But, but hey, we uh, <laughs> we saw Fernando Tatis Jr. apparently had a motorcycle injury in December, and only finally now he's addressing it. So, right. Uh, so some some teams, some teams have it have it worse. Uh, other move that we see all saw happen. Speaking of the NL East, while while we we're chatting, but uh, Kenley Jansen signs with the Braves. Mm-hmm. That's a surprising one, huh? Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, we'll see. He's only 34. I mean, it's, it seemed like he was uh, kind it of... It feels uh, like he's been in baseball forever. It does, yeah. Uh, he was well, all with the Dodgers, and uh, you know, the Dodgers were, were willing to uh, uh, give him a couple years, and then um, what ends up happening, Braves spent money on... Excuse me, the, the Dodgers spent money on somebody else. Right. And uh, that money might not have been there. <laughs> and the thing so. is, Will Smith had a good year for them last year, but I felt like at the beginning, he started off the year not consistent. And I think that was the biggest concern for them was the back end of their bullpen, like everybody else. Uh, but he wound up kind of turning around the second half. I think he had a much better second half than the first, if I don't, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and in 2020, he had his ups and downs. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh... hey, you know what? These relievers, some years are good, some years they're not. Totally, which is uh, which is difficult, but but Jansen only uh, we see uh, last year still had a decent season. wasn't a typical Jansen season. Last couple years, actually, uh, you know, his ERA dipped to the threes, but Mm -hmm. he was pretty good last year. So I, you know, that's a uh, that that was a little bit of surprise though that he ends up with with the Braves. So yeah, on a two year deal, right? So basically, the Braves lost Freeman, but Mm -hmm. they end up with Jansen. 
and uh, Matt Olson, the same amount of money. That's, yeah, that's... something tells me they're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> they will be all right. Uh, will definitely be a big foe to uh, the Phillies in the National League East. We don't have a schedule yet for next year, which is kind of interesting. Well, I say next year, this year. Uh, they still have to work out how to reschedule those six games. Uh, but one thing is clear. April 8th should still be Philly's opening day at Citizens Bank Park. They seem like they're, they're committed to that. We'll figure out how to make those games up with the, um, with the Astros and the Nationals at some other point. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're getting closer, Jeff. Today's already the 21st, so we're talking two weeks from tomorrow. Can you believe that? I can, man. I'm excited. It was like 70 degrees over the week. It was like 75 degrees over the weekend. It felt like baseball weather. I'm ready. So I'm looking at two weeks from Thursday. Excuse me. Why did I say tomorrow? What day is it? I don't. I'm, I believe today's Monday. Today is Monday, and it's early. I That's it why is, yeah. I, I need more coffee. So <laughs> I'm with you, brother. But yes, it's it's uh, two weeks from Thursday, opening day, Citizens Bank Park. Hopefully, they all go north, but. Their offense will go north. The offense will mash and offense enjoy the ride. So, so for this surprise powder blue podcast, Frank close here, Jeff Mosher. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>